Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I'm glad to see all of you here today, and we're honored to have Jackie and Quan's families and friends here with us today, and they're going to dedicate their little boy, Sebastian, here in a little while. So we're going to have a great time together doing that, and we wanna, we're really honored to have all of you with us today. God bless you. We are in our series on the Ten Commandments of Ignorance that we started about, what was it, honey, three weeks ago? By the way, how did Heather do Sunday? Did she do okay? <laughs> this woman can preach. She sure can. Um, and I, As you know, I was in uh, our urban campus. We have three, three campuses, one cause church. This is our main campus uh, where we started here in McKinney, and then we've branched out into Irving and Granbury, Texas as well, and uh, we love being in those cities and wherever God has us, and so I needed to go and be with our Irving campus Sunday, and so Heather came, and uh, Heather brought a good word. I even, I listened to your podcast. I don't know if I told you that. It was really good. I was on the way to school last week. Really enjoyed it. It was very encouraging. She, she, she can do it, and she can do it. So uh, let's go to the book of Romans, and we're in our, I think on the fifth Fifth commandment, and I don't think I'll be able to go any further than this one because I need to lay some groundwork for you. I want you to just engage with me today like you are students in a classroom, all right? And we are going to uh, spend time uh, laying a foundation and kind of building this thought uh, on the instruction that Paul gives us. And so it's important to know why he's saying what he's saying to us and why it's important for us Gentiles. Uh, to, to understand what our relationship is to Israel and to the Jews, okay? So uh, this is going to be, uh, it's going to be good. I think it's going to help bring some understanding to you, but it's a little different than what I, the way I normally teach. So if you'll just stick with me today, this isn't like really shouting ground kind of preaching like I like to do. Last name's Holler and, you know, speak in tongues and all that. So uh, like it loud. Wasn't that music amazing this morning? Man, thank God. Let's just, yeah, let the worship team hear that, hear from you today. Thank, you know, I, I'm really grateful for a team who not only, not only are talented, they are talented, obviously, they're all very gifted, but they worship God. I mean, they give it, they give it to Him, and it makes it so easy to engage, you know, to just enter right in. I'm grateful for that, because, you know, part of, uh, part of my church experience growing up was, uh, I mean, it was like, well, let me just kind of give you an example. Is that okay? Our Sunday mornings would be something like this. The song leader would get up there and he'd say, anybody got a song this morning? <laughs> and, and we'd have our hymnals and somebody would say, number 98. And then you'd hear pages flipping. Okay, let's go. Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. And then we'd finish that song and he'd say, and then somebody would go, 102. <laughs> this was a lot easier. I'm just saying, what we're doing now, just this flow, it's beautiful. I'm grateful for the hymns and all that stuff, but I like the way it is now. I like the way the church is progressing, especially that we bring rock and roll into the house of God. I love it. I think it's his favorite style of music. I think of David. I think of David. King David, you know, he built all kinds of instruments and then taught people how to play them. 
I think if he could have had an electric guitar with distortion, he certainly would have. <laughs> I'm convinced. Um, <laughs> you know, the scripture says the Lord is coming back with a shout. So, you know, uh, a shout to me is like, you know, the music that I liked in the 80s. The, ah! So it's going to be something like that. <laughs> I'm back! <laughs> something like that. That's just, that's just how this brain works. And uh, So you have to forgive me. Long hair. <laughs> okay, all right. Anyway, let's go to Romans chapter 11. Stop, Eric. Holler. Think about what you're doing right now. Verse 25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Okay, now remember who, who's speaking to us. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle to the Gentile church. Paul taught us what Jesus wanted us to know. Jesus gave him the revelation to teach us, to teach basically the rest of the world, because Gentiles make up something like 99.9% of the world, all right? So uh, he basically made him the apostle to the rest of the world. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant. So this is important for us to pay attention here for a moment, not to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Okay, verse 26, And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them, that when I take away their sins. Aren't you grateful that he took away not only their sins, but all of our sins? Concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sake. Now, isn't that interesting? It's an interesting phrase right there. He says, concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. In other words, they're choosing. That election just means God chose them, and they are, they are beloved because of men like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David. And so God, who has been patient with, with uh, his, his people, the Israelites, the Jews, has been patient even though they've rejected so much about him throughout the generations, and, and especially his son, but God, because he loved, because he, he made them a chosen people, because he made a covenant with Abraham, he has, has given them blindness for now. Thank God. He hasn't, he hasn't removed them. He hasn't cast them away. He has just blinded them for a period of time. And we're gonna, I'm going to explain to you what, what all that means and why that's relevant for us today. Uh, the fact that the Jews, that the, Israel for the most part, has this certain blindness when it comes to God and the things of God is your blessing. It's your blessing. It's how you came into this thing. Because the gospel was to be preached to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But along the way, God saw something in his own people, and he saw a people who did not pursue a relationship with him as he was hoping. Abraham did, and other men of faith did. But you remember when God brought them out of Egypt with that amazing deliverance? I mean, it was just a miraculous thing. All the big, the, the ten wonders from God, the plagues and all those things. And finally, Pharaoh said, get out of here. And so P Moses, the, God raised him up to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt and was going to take them, going to take them to the land of promise that he had promised their father Abraham 400 and something years prior to this, okay? So now here they are coming out. And when they get out into the wilderness, they're on their journey. There's something like, I, the scholars vary on the, the, the amount of people that was, but it was somewhere around probably two and a half million people. All right, that's a lot of people walking through a desert. And they're on their way, and, and things start happening. They're, they're not, they start grumbling. 
They start grumbling. They start complaining about what's going on. They're not looking really forward. They're, they're looking at their now existence. They've, they're not, they don't have the vision for what God is bringing them into. They're, they're looking at their lack right now where they are. They're seeing that what they don't have right now. And, and so they, they refuse to trust God would take care of them right now. And so they would grumble, and then, and then God would provide for them. He would, he would, you know, Moses struck a rock, and water came out, and, and God provided food for them, manna from heaven. You know, the word manna literally means, what is it? Because <laughs> that's what they said. What is this? So that's what they named it. What is it? It's not something I'd recommend you naming your child. <laughs> but, and God, God was patient with them, and he was gracious with them. But then there was a moment where he wanted to meet with all of the, the people, and he, he descended down on this mountain, and, and when they saw this demonstration of God's presence on this mountain, it frightened the people because the Scripture says there was lightning and thunder and black smoke and you know, all kinds of things. Can you imagine? And, and there was an invitation for the people to come up, and they're going, <laughs> I ain't going up there. You want me to walk into that hurricane? I don't think so. And, and, and so what, here's what they basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, here's what they said to Moses basically. Moses, you go, you go for us, and whatever God tells you to tell us to do, we'll do it. So all of a sudden now their, their, their position with God is not one of a relationship, they just want the rules. Just tell us what to do, we'll keep the rules. I cannot imagine how that must have felt to God, that this is what they wanted in the relationship. You just tell us what to do, we'll do it. Okay. This is what you want. All right. I'm going to give you 10 things to do or not do. You're not going to be able to live up to this because God knew that they wouldn't be able to do that because we weren't made for rules. We were made for relationship. And unfortunately, the church today in many ways, is expressing this kind of relationship with God. Do's and don'ts. And it needs to stop. It needs to stop. That's dead. Who wants that relationship? I mean, life is full of rules. Life is full of rules and regulations. God gives freedom in a relationship. And so they wouldn't do it. So he gave them the Ten Commandments, and you know how all that went. But those laws did govern them as a nation. You know some of the laws. You shall not kill. You shall not kill. I mean, those are good laws, right? <laughs> you should not kill. You shouldn't bear false witness. You shouldn't commit adultery. Don't steal, you know. And this is all how we treat one another. Don't covet your neighbor's things, his wife, his, his stuff, his car, any of that. It didn't say car. It said mule. It was a car to them. Um, but then there were things how they treated God. You know, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And, and, and don't make uh, uh, idols. Don't make graven images. Don't carve idols and worship them. Don't don't, uh, 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 <laughs> what's, the, what's the first one though? Help me, Miss Velma. Thou should have no other gods before me. Thank you. Okay. Another, anyway, well, I should know that one, right? No other gods. So it was, the law had to do with how they treated their, how they treated God and how they treated one another. And they still, still didn't live up to it. And so God knew that that was, that was a, a system that would ultimately be their demise. Because here's what the law did. The law could point to the problem because it was holy and just and it was from God and man could not, through his own efforts, really keep that law. So the law really showed man just how unrighteous they were, but the law couldn't do anything to help men. 
it couldn't save them. It couldn't reconcile them to God. It could just tell them the problem, but it couldn't cure the problem. So then, so then God, praise God, did not leave us in that way, did not leave mankind in that way. He loved Israel because he loved Abraham. And I'm going to take us for a moment on a journey through some Scripture. And if you'll just walk with me through this, I think we'll bring some good understanding to what all this is really about. And really the truth I want to get to you today is do not be ignorant of God's blessing on Israel to this day. All right, and we'll, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17 for a moment. And this is, this is where God is about to make covenant with Abraham. All right, we, we see the beginning of life, the life of Abraham in chapter 12, where God speaks to him. Abraham is 75 years old. His name is Abram at the time. And God says, get up, get out of your father's house, leave your country. I want to take you to a land. I'm going to give you an as inheritance. And you don't know where you're going. You just follow me. I'll show you where it is. And so Abram got up and left. I mean, think about it. He's 75 years old. He should be playing golf at this point and enjoying life. But now he's he really, he's just starting a new life at 75. And so God leads him out. And Abram comes out to this place where God tells him, and there's, there's nothing there. There's a famine, the scripture says. So then he goes off into Egypt, spends some, spends some time there, makes some really smart investments. And the scripture says he comes out rich in gold and silver and cattle. And so he's prospering and, and then comes back to the land. And, and God is speaking to him all along the way. And he starts saying these things about Abraham's descendants and how he would be, his descendants would be blessed in the earth. And, and Abraham didn't have any kids at all to, for him to be talking like this. And so then in chapter 15, it says that the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. He said, I'm your reward, Abram. He said, walk before me. And, and then Abram said, uh, what are you going to give me? See, you've been talking about all these descendants and these kids. I, what are you going to give me seeing I, I don't have any kids? And God said, come outside of your tent. And it was nighttime. And he said, look up at the stars. So will your descendants be. If your eyes have to see something, get them on that. When you look at those stars, I want you to think those are all my kids. And the scripture says, Abraham believed God, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. It's right there where Abram was made righteous with God. He wasn't made righteous with God when he obeyed him and left. He wasn't made righteous with God. He even tithed at one point. He wasn't made righteous neither. He was only made righteous by faith. And by that virtue, by virtue of his faith, opened up the door for all of us to become children of God by faith. He, was, he set the standard right there. Chapter 17, God begins to take Abram a little closer to him. He says, okay, Abram, I'm going to make this covenant. Look at this. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant. Everybody say everlasting covenant. To be God to you and your descendants after you. How many of you believe it really is an everlasting covenant? Okay, it is. And now let's go down to Psalms chapter 105. It says, he rem this is David speaking, and he says, he remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and conferred it to Jacob, that is father, son, and grandson, for a statute to Israel for as an everlasting covenant. So what was this covenant? Well, two major things happened in this covenant that God made with Abram. One, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Now, imagine how tough that is for a Jew to have part of your name, Ham, when you can't eat ham. <laughs> Abraham. And the name went from, his name Abram went from meaning exalted father or father to Abraham, father of nations. God wanted Abraham to start calling himself this name. When you introduce yourself, you're no longer saying, I'm father. 
because that's ridiculous because you don't have any kids. But since we're in the ridiculous, let's go extremely ridiculous and say, you're father of the world. This is how he's got to introduce himself to people. Uh, God changed my name. Oh, yeah, really? It's not Abram? It's not father? Well, that didn't make any sense anyway since you and Sarah pretty much dried up. So what is it? Bill? Bob? Al? No, it's father of multitudes of nations. You said God told you this? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah, and, and then, and then, uh, imagine, he calls all the men in his house together. He says, I had a meeting with God, changed my name, and, and, and then he told me what you have to do to keep your job. So sharpen your knives, boys, because he taught me this thing called circumcision. Started with Abraham. 99 years old when that happened. And all the men that were in his house, kin to him, and all the men who worked for him, God said, all of them, I want all of them to be circumcised. They had to be separated unto God. And that's what set, and, and that, that circumcision was not what made Abraham righteous. Paul said it was a seal of his righteousness of faith. And it made him, it separated them from the rest of the world. Very interesting. I would like to say more about that, but I'm not going to because we don't have time. All why God required a man. I mean, think about that. You know God had to have been the one who thought of that covenant. I mean, really, let's, let's try to make sense of this. Is a man, is that going to be his idea? I've got an idea to show my consecration to God. No, he'll cut a finger off. I mean, maybe an earlobe. No, God's the one that had to think of that. Okay, God, I mean, I love you and everything, but seriously. He makes this covenant, and so now he becomes the father of a multitude of nations. Incredible. And so he did have a son, had Isaac, and Isaac, and he said, in Isaac, your seed will be blessed. And so then it began. The lineage of Abraham down, passed down generation after generation, and God said, I'm keeping my covenant with these generations following Abraham. Oh, Israel's a wonderful, they're a wonderful people. Um, so now we got to go to another place. Everybody okay? All right, stick with me. Psalm chapter 89. Psalm chapter 89. So now there's another key figure that we have to talk about in order to understand all of this is a man by the name of David. And you know who David is. You've all heard the Bible story of David and Goliath, right? Okay, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David. This is God speaking of David. Your seed I will establish. How long? So both of these covenants that God has made with Abraham and with David are, are forever covenants. And build up your throne to all generations, Selah. Now, let's go down to verse 20. And he, here he says more of David. He says, I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him. Next, verse 26. He shall cry to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I will also make him, make who? Make David my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Now, how is God going to make David his firstborn? How's that going to happen? What does that even mean? God's not speaking of David here. God's speaking of the son of David, the Messiah who would come, Jesus Christ himself, who would be, as the scripture later tells, the firstborn from the dead. And who is the son of David, therefore, is the highest king 
of all the earth. My mercy I will keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand firm with him. His seed also I will make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. Man, that's, that's some lofty things said about David, isn't it? It's what God says about him and his kingship and his kingdom. If his sons forsake, this is Solomon and Absalom and all those kinds of guys, uh, if his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, I will, if, I'm sorry, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Now, we don't have any record at all that Solomon endured any kind of rods hitting him in the back or stripes or anything like that. We do know that he did turn from the Lord toward the end of his life. The wisest man on earth, the richest man on earth at one time. Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him nor allow my faithfulness to fail. But God says, since this covenant's forever, no matter what you, how your sons perform, y'all they'll be punished for, for what they've done. But here's the deal. My covenant is going to stay intact because that's who I am. Because I'm faithful to my word. Interesting thing. There was someone, one of the sons of David, who did take rods and who did take stripes upon his back. And we read about him in Isaiah chapter 53. The son of David, Jesus Christ, the redeemer who was to come. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Again, God was talking about the son that would take all that punishment for all of their, all of their sins. Not only all their sins, but all your sins too, all of our sins. I will not break my covenant, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David his seed, shall endure forever in his throne as the son before me. Wow, that's powerful. Matthew chapter 1, let's turn there for a moment. Matthew chapter 1. Timothy talks about, Paul's talking about Jesus, and he calls, he says, Jesus Christ, the seed of David. All right, just so you know that we have scriptures. What is that? 2 Timothy 2, 8 that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Oh, there it is, right there. Now, let's go to the other one, Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, no, yeah, go for it. Yeah, this, this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Powerful statement right here. So when Matthew sat down to write this book, he was writing it to his own people, to the Jewish nation, and he wanted them to understand who Jesus was, that he had a right to be the redeemer as the son of Abraham, and he had a right to be the king as the son of David, okay? So he's here to set the record straight. This is the redeemer that you're looking for, okay? Everybody all right? Yeah. I told you, it kind of wasn't really shouting ground, but hopefully you're, you're learning something today. So Jesus then comes, and, and those who believe on Jesus, they believe, here's the truth, they believe the Jews who see him, and they, they, they see all the miracles that he's doing, and they hear him say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So they're thinking, it's here. The, the kingdom's here. He's here. And, and, and because he's here, we know that this Roman tyrannical government is going away. They really believe that Jesus, when he came, he was going to throw off that government. He was going to sit on the throne of David and establish his kingdom. So they were excited and the crowds were gathering. And, 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 and it really, uh, you can see the consummation of their belief in John chapter 12 uh, of what we know as 
Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, and as Jesus is coming and he's sitting on that donkey and they start throwing their, their, their coats in front of him and these palm branches and they're saying, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But John records it said that they said, the king of Israel. And they thought here is his grand entrance into, the, into Jerusalem and here today the kingdom starts. That's what they thought. And Jesus comes in there thinking, oh man, he's going to beat up some Romans. Praise God. What does he do? Jesus gets off that donkey, walks into the temple, and he starts throwing tables over and rebuking his own people because they've turned church into something other than a house of prayer. Oh, Jesus, whoa, whoa, this ain't ain't how you're supposed to start your kingdom. And so they were blown away by this, and then just a few days later, he's hanging dead on a cross, buried in a tomb. What just happened? I mean, we, he was here to take over, and now he's dead? doesn't make any sense. didn't make any sense. Even to this day, it doesn't make sense to many of them. They read Isaiah, Isaiah 53, and it says he dies. It just doesn't make any sense. The Redeemer's not supposed to die, but he does. He has to. So he rose from the dead. And something happened after his resurrection between the time he rose from the dead and when he ascended into heaven to sit at their father's right hand. Something happened there in that 40 days or so. He met with the disciples, and apparently he was teaching them about the coming kingdom of God. Again, they asked this question in Acts chapter 1. Let's look at this for a moment. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they thought... They thought it was before, oh, but now he's died for their sins. Now he's rose again. Okay, surely this is it. Lord, is it now? Is, this, is it time? And look what Jesus said. It is not for you to know times and seasons, times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority. He said, guys, that's up to the Father. And when the Father tells me to, to come set up the kingdom, I'll do it. But it's not now. Here's what you need to do. You need to go and wait for the Spirit to come. And when he comes, he's going to endue you with power. And as a result of that power coming on your life, you're not going to be able to shut up. You're going to be witnesses to me all over the earth because this power is coming on you, and with that power is a boldness to proclaim a very powerful message. And that message is Christ died for your sins. Christ was buried, and Christ rose again from the dead. It's the good news that that every man, woman, and child needs to hear. It's the message that saves. And so there he is seated at the Father's right hand until this day. Now look what Paul says. Let's go back to Romans 11. Now I'm going to start bringing this all together. Are you okay? Yes, yes we're great. That's all right. Thank you. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So there's this time that we're living in right now called the age of the church, the dispensation of grace. And we can see that, some clear markers. I'm just going to give you a little graph on the screen here for just a moment. Can we bring that up? Bring up the first Moses, uh, the tabernacle of Moses. We have three, uh, three basic models here of worship. Moses, the way they worshiped in the tabernacle of Moses. Next, we have the, ta- the ta- tabernacle of David, and then the third one would be the temple of Solomon. What does all this mean? 
Well, Moses was commanded by God once they got out into the wilderness with the children of Israel from Egypt to build, construct a temple where they could worship him. And, and it, was, it was a shadow or a copy of like it is in heaven. So they built this, this tabernacle and they put these two curtains in there. One, they're, they're called two veils. And, and there was the outer court, the inner court, and there was this, the priest could go past this first veil, but past that second veil, nobody could go except one guy. Because back there was the, what was known as the Ark of the Covenant. It's where God's presence was in a box. God literally put himself in a box. And in that golden box was his presence. And, 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 it, and it was a, uh, well, it was a scary time to be even amongst his presence. Anything could happen, good or bad, because there was no mediator. They didn't have Jesus like you have him now. So it was, it was live or die. And the high priest, as a matter of fact, he was risking his entire life even going behind that second veil. He could only go back there once a year, and he had to take blood with him because that blood of the animals, that would kind of cover the people's sins. It, it would cover the people's sins and, and appease God's wrath at the sinfulness of man for a time. And so he would go back there. But if he did not have everything right, I mean, if he did not have his shoes polished just right, if he didn't have everything in place, hairs out of place, if he walked back there and something was flawed, he would drop dead. It was scary. This high priest, and because the, the presence of this holy, holy, holy God behind the second veil, only one guy could go. But then there was this time of David called the, the Tabernacle of David. You know what they did? You know how they worshiped God? They set up a tent and they took that box with God's presence in it, put it right in the middle and said, everybody can come worship. And people freely came in under there and they had music 24 hours a day. They set up musicians and singers 24 hours a day in shifts praising God. And the people came in and from everywhere and they could freely worship God with the presence of God. And nobody's dying there. It's incredible, isn't it? I want you know, look back and you say, God, why, how? See, David is a peek into our experience today. It's just a peek into this new covenant reality that we now have. And that was what was really in God's heart. See, God called David a man after his own heart. He said, he will do all my will. And when David w- would speak of the things he wanted to do for God, it blessed God so much because he really wanted to be amongst his people. He said, David gets it. But then... That all went away. And then the Temple of Solomon was built, and it was a marvelous structure. And they went back to the way they did in Moses' time. So if we can put these time, these, these temples, these tabernacles, in sections of time, all right? And I'll just give that to you by showing you by the books of the Bible. Matthew through Acts chapter 9, we'll call that the Temple of, or the Tabernacle of Moses, Okay? Matthew through Acts chapter 9. And this is, this is the ministry in the time of the Jews. When Jesus came to the earth, he was a Jew, and he, his ministry was to the Jewish people. We all understand that, right? He said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus' teaching ministry, his healing ministry, was exclusively for the Jews. Just a couple of Gentiles got something from him. It wasn't because they had it by right, because they weren't covenant people, but because they believed him, because they showed him, they expressed faith, and then Jesus was impressed with that because they looked like Abraham in that. And so he blessed them and gave them whatever they needed. But other than that, I mean, it was exclusively for the people, for, for the Jewish people. And, and so if you, if, if you try to read all the Bible as all of it is relevant to you, you are going to be massively confused. I used to see, I used to think all of it was applicable to me. 
And I'd, some days I'd read the scripture and be really encouraged, and other days I'd read it and go, oh my God, my right hand offends me, cut it off. If my right eye looks at something it ain't supposed to, pluck it out. I can't do this. Right? And I, I was just so confused. I felt like I was in darkness, and I'm looking around, and I'd see, do other people's right hand offend them? Apparently not. They still got that right. And that's what Jesus taught. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. Well, hmm, that's a tough rule, Jesus. And then he also said, if you don't forgive men their sins, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your sins. That's under the context of the law. Aren't you glad that that's not your reality today? Hey, listen, you need to forgive others, but you don't forgive others to be forgiven by God. You forgive others because you already have been forgiven by God. The Apostle Paul taught us that in, in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So if you think it's all applicable to you, sometimes you're going to wonder, uh, will he forgive me? And other times you'll wonder, you'll think, wait, he has forgiven me. Well, which is it? Is he going to or has he? You have to settle that once and for all. And then, then you'll decide where you're living, either in Old Covenant or New Covenant. That, that covenant did not belong to you. That covenant of the law, the Ten Commandments, doesn't even apply to the Gentile church. It wasn't even for you. It was for the Jews. This covenant of grace has come to us through Jesus Christ. And so because of their rejection of God, because of their rejection of Jesus, God granted them blindness and said, now I'm going to open my arms to the rest of the world. Anybody can be a child of Abraham now by faith. Not by keeping rules, but by faith. And that's where we all come in. Acts chapter 10 through the book of Philemon is this dispensation of grace right here. Then there's coming a time when the church is going to be raptured out of here. Yes, there is a rapture coming. There is a rapture coming. If you read the, the letters of Paul, he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice Remember that shout with the voice of an archangel, watch, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will be raised, and we who are alive and remain, if those who are still alive and remain, believe in Jesus, will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will ever be with the Lord. Don't ever confuse that moment with Christ's second coming, because they're not the same thing. The church, the, the fullness of the Gentiles will come in, and he'll take us on up. Then God's going to look back to Israel and begin to finish his work with Israel. The blindness, the scales are going to come off of their eyes, and God's going to finish his work. And multiplied millions of them are going to come into the kingdom of God as a result of that. That's where you read about, you read about a lot of that in the book of Revelation, which Gentiles are funny. They think they know about Revelation, and they don't. They don't. That's not even our time. We're in heaven for almost all of that. That's good news, because you read about Revelation, you think, thank God I'm not on the earth during that time. Hebrews, James, 1 and 2 Peter, 1 and 2 3 John, all those were, were written to Jew, the Jewish people. James opens up his book to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. So we see that James, Peter, and John, the big three disciples, have all written books for this time that's coming. All right? Hopefully this helps you understand the kind of time we're living in right now. So it is now on us. It's for us to now bring as many people into the kingdom of God with us as we can. This is why we declare a message that saves. We declare a message that saves. See, it's how you got saved. You heard some good news. What was that good news? Christ died for your sins. You don't have to die for your sins. Christ died. 
They buried him in a tomb, but God raised him up three days later. Whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. It's a glorious, it's a glorious gospel. You know, it's not about doing stuff. You can't do enough good stuff to get God's attention. Why would God send good people to hell? God didn't send good people to hell. Good people go to hell by their own choosing because they're trusting in their own goodness instead of in Jesus. That's the problem. Man thinks in his own arrogance that he could measure up to a perfect, holy, and just God if he's just good enough, if the good outweighs the bad. That's hogwash. That's nothing but human reasoning that takes men to destruction. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not holding their sins against them. And now he's committed to us the, the message of reconciliation. So now we have this compelling in us to bring to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family, to our coworkers, be reconciled to God. God has done everything. Jesus did everything for you to have a right relationship with God. All you have to do is believe on him. It has nothing to do with your performance, nothing to do with your good works. If you'll trust Jesus as the sole savior of your life, you can have everlasting life and have a real real relationship with God. You won't see that it's about do's and don'ts. Well, maybe if I go to church four times in a row, maybe I'll get God's attention. Maybe if I'll fast for three straight days, maybe, maybe the windows of heaven open up. Man, forget all that religious hogwash. All right, Jesus already did all the difficult stuff. As I was telling the earlier service, I remember we've made such a process to people getting to coming into the kingdom of God. The church has really jacked this up. Instead of simply believing in the power of the gospel itself, thinking that there's got to be a process. Okay, if you want to be saved, okay, let's just go through it right quick. Every head bowed, and every eye closed, and the organ comes on. You know, it's playing in the background. And then, and, then, uh, and then it says, if you're here and you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, raise your hand. Then you have people, you know, maybe some will raise their hand. And then the next thing happens. This was, this was my upbringing. It was the same thing every time. Okay, those of you that raise your hand, I want you to stand up where you're at. Well, first of all, who wants to do that, right? Okay. All right, all of you are standing. Now come forward. And if they don't move, if they don't move, they're standing there like, I don't want to walk. I don't know. Okay, I'm standing. Isn't that good enough, preacher? Well, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Well, shoot. All right, I guess I'll better walk down. I, I, I guess I better go forward. So they get forward, right? And it's just this process. Now you got to say this, what they call the sinner's prayer, all right? And, 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 but we see the very first time anybody like us gets saved is found in Acts chapter 10. And all they did was hear the gospel. Peter didn't try to pray a prayer with them, didn't try to get them to, to jump through a bunch of hoops, didn't manipulate them with twisting scriptures. He just said, whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. And the scripture says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. People who had never had any relationship with God. Not, 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 like, not like you do. Had no relationship with God. They had a hunger for God, but they didn't know how to connect to him. And so he brought this gospel and said, believe on him. And they all heard the gospel and they started speaking in other tongues, the scripture said. They started speaking in tongues. Think about that. That's the first thing that came out of their mouths. Nobody prayed a prayer. They start speaking in tongues, and Peter goes, whoa. Well, hang on a second. We need to make sure that you're sincere. He didn't do any of that. No, no, we got to pray a prayer first. You got to invite Jesus in your heart. No, he didn't say any of that. Here's these guys speaking in tongues and going, and he didn't do this either. What kind of pagan nonsense is that? What kind of witchcraft are we looking at right here? None of that. 
He went, oh my goodness. God gave them the Holy Spirit just like he did to us. Because he also remembers something Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. And one of those signs is they'll speak in new tongues. He thought, these people somewhere in this message believed. In order for them to get to the gift of the Holy Spirit, they have to believe first. Wow, so God purified their hearts by faith. You see how easy it is? Do you see how easy it is for us to come into this marvelous thing called the family of God by simply believing on Him so that we don't trust in anything that we do in our efforts whatsoever? We're fully trusting in Him. This is the time we are living in right now, this dispensation of grace. Hey, you picked a good time to be born. You didn't have anything to do with that. God brought you here. God made sure that you were born in this time to declare this message, to not be ashamed of the power of that gospel, but to be faithful to declare it because it's not our responsibility to get people saved. We can't do that. The gospel saves. The gospel is what saves. And so we bless Israel. We bless that great nation because it is because of where they are right now that God opened up his arms to us. But we also know that he's going to finish his work with his chosen people because it is an everlasting covenant. It is a forever established thing. I'm just glad to be a part of it. Amen? Any here glad to be a part of this, part of the family of God? And I personally believe that we are such a blessed nation. The United States of America is such a blessed nation because of our ally with that great nation of Israel. I believe that. We bless them, we get blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Let's pray for just a moment, and then I'm going to invite Mr. Sebastian to bring all of his family. We're going to dedicate him to the Lord. Father, thank you for this time together in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful gospel that has come to us. Thank you for this dispensation of grace, this time of grace that we're living in where all can freely come in, all can freely come into the family of God by faith in Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works not of performance not of keeping the rules but by grace by faith thank you Lord Lord thank you for your your presence here in this place even now because we're here you're here amongst us God and I thank you Lord that you you give revelation you give wisdom you give understanding And I pray, God, that that everyone who's hearing this message today, Lord, will be able to receive something that will impact their own life, God, that will impact the the way they live, the way they think, the way they speak, God. Just let your word do its work in our lives now. As we understand your word is life to us who find it and health to all of our flesh. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today and, and you have been standing on the outside. You've been maybe trusting yourself or, or you've never personally put your faith in Jesus for salvation to free you from a life in darkness. I want to invite you to know him today. Believe on him. Believe on him. It's simply, it's, it's just this simple. You can say something like, Lord, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I want what you have for me. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose again from the dead. I want life with you. I want to be a part of the family of God. 
that it's your faith in Him that changes everything. A miracle happens in that moment. Something happens in your spirit. Your spirit goes from darkness to light. It goes from death to life. And at that moment, you are made in the spirit perfect with God. And then you'll spend the rest of your life walking by faith in Him. Knowing that this life is not everything about your life. Shoot, this earth, this is all passing away. Life is temporary. But this life that you have in Him goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on forever and ever. So believe on Jesus today. Believe on Him. Amen. Praise God. Now, Mr. Sebastian, where are you? There he is. If you will please bring with you your mother and dad, as well as any family members and friends who want to come and be a part of this, we invite all of you to come up here uh, and be a part of this special, special moment. dressed up real nice. Might as well come up so we can look at you. Why don't y'all come all the way over here, uh, Quan and Jackie, and we'll just have the line up the family along here. Just sing together. If there's anyone that is uh, taking any pictures of this event, you're welcome to just come right up here to the front and get as good pictures as you need, okay? Praise God. Oh, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. This is, a, this is one of my favorite things to do as a pastor because I love that people not only are having babies, that tells me there's some health going on in that marriage, right? Uh, but... <laughs> But because the, the, the scripture says that children are a heritage from the Lord, but they're bringing their, their child to the house of God to dedicate them to God. That blesses me that moms and dads want their children to experience God from a very early age. And this is why we dedicate children to the Lord. Now, th this baby is, is not becoming a Christian today. This baby is simply sanctified by mom and daddy's faith. But what we believe happens in this moment is when moms and dads bring their babies to church and dedicate them to the Lord, that they clear a path open for that child to come to the knowledge of God at an early age. Come on, don't we need our children to come to God at an early age, huh? And avoid so many of the pitfalls that maybe some of us here went through, you know, the, the, the tough stuff and all that, all the hardships, the unnecessary stuff because of our own dumb thinking. But... We believe that this is going to open up for this child the experience to know God and connect with Him at a very early age and, and live His days for God. So we get this from the Scripture. When Hannah, in the book of Samuel, Hannah was barren, and she was praying to God, begging for a child. And she said, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. I'll dedicate him to you. And God granted her a son named Samuel, the first prophet in the Scriptures, 
and dedicated. And so she, when that baby Samuel was born, when she had weaned him, she brought him to the man of God. And so this is what we're doing. Just as that, as the, the precedent for us, she brought him to the man of God. So if you would just hand Mr. Sebastian over to me. Oh my goodness. Now you guys got to see this. <laughs> How much did he weigh when he was born? Four pounds, 14 and a half ounces. He has come a long way since then, hasn't he? I think he eats pretty often, if I had to guess. And that, when she brought Samuel to the man of God, it says that they worshiped God there. And from that day forward, Samuel began to know God in his, in, from his youth. All right, this is so good. So what we're going to do in this moment, I'm going to pray a blessing over Mr. Sebastian and over this family. And if you would, just join with me and pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for Sebastian. Thank you for this precious life. Lord, we know that this life is from you. You came to give life and life to the full. The first blessing that you pronounced over mankind was be fruitful and multiply. So we thank you, Lord, for this child. That is a proof of the blessing of multiplication, the blessing of God. And so we bless him and declare over him that he will come to know God at a very early age, come into his own experience, make choices for God, to put his faith in Jesus. And Lord, that I just declare that no evil shall befall him and no plague shall come near his dwelling. He will know his God. He will be strong and do exploits in the earth. He will lead he will lead. I see this child walking with confidence. I see him marching as he walks and others, his own peers following in line behind him, following in line behind him. Oh God, what are you going to do in this young man's life? Lord, it's big. I thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. No weapon formed against him will prosper. Oh, he's a mighty soldier in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord. He will serve you all of his days. We bless him in the name of Jesus. Sebastian, be blessed. You are blessed of God. You will be taught of the Lord, and great will be your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Praise God. Not only are we dedicating this child, but also as witness to this and before all your loved ones here and for everyone here will you dedicate to bring him up in the house of God to bring him to church and let him continue to hear and will you at home teach him to pray and teach him show him demonstrate love for the word and, and living for God will you do that for him good I'm glad you said yes what, what I'd like to do is uh if you would, just give us your name. Of course, I'll get to you in just a second. Give us your name and how you're related to uh, Mr. Sebastian. Edward Schweikowski, and I'm the great-grandfather. The great-grandfather. Fantastic. It's an honor to have you, sir. Um, his second cousin. Second cousin. Well, what's your name? Emma Molman. Say that again. Emma Molman. Wow. That's a beautiful name. Hi. Hi, I'm Lucille Joheim Schweikowski. 
And I'm the great grandmother. You're the great grandmother. She is our daughter. The mommy is our daughter. Oh. Granddaughter. Granddaughter. Excuse me. I mean, I was like, we got another Abraham and Sarah here. That's great. Lisa Mullman, and I am the great aunt. The great aunt. All right. Terry Finn, it says grandma. Grandma, yes. My name's Paul. Grandpa. Grandpa. <laughs> Wonderful. Hi. Bonnie Klinger, great aunt. Great aunt. Got some great aunts here. Wonderful. See you, fan. Uncle. Yes, you are. Good to see you, bud. I'm Kathy Sanders, grandmother. Grandmother. Rick Sanders, grandfather. Another grandfather. Great Glad uncle. to have you. Great uncle? Yes. Glad to have you. Austin Klinger, uh, second cousin. Second cousin. Glad to have you, Austin. Great. Brandon Klinger, also second cousin. Brandon, nice to meet you. Glad to have you. Can we just give this family a great hand this morning? Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today on this very special day. I know it means a lot to, to Quan and Jackie and, uh, and certainly to Sebastian. God bless you. Love you guys. And these are the parents, Quan and Jackie, by the way. Yeah. Praise God. been blessed today. I know I've been blessed for sure. Glad you came. And Wednesday night, uh, we will continue in our Route 66 series. Really enjoying walking through the books of the Bible there. I want to invite you to come every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Also, for those of you who are going to be in our service and leadership schools in Salt, starting, it starts this Tuesday at 6 o'clock from 6 to 8. Uh, so be here, bring a notebook with you. And, of course, you'll be getting a workbook when you come to the, come to the class. I'm very excited about us offering this at One Cause Church. I think it's going to be a great blessing to you and to many others that are in your life. All right, let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray a blessing, a prayer, a, a blessing over you. And then Jer- Pastor Jeremiah is going to come and got a couple of more announcements, and then you're free to go. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.